0: All right. Well, we'll see if you're clapping when I get done. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I'm still like the guy who says, if you have your Bible, <laughs> um, our, our main passage is going to be in Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5. Um, so you can find that on your app or your Bible or whatever you have. I just want to, before I even get into my message, I just want to. I guess I just want to say thanks because it was. I I was sharing with Pastor last week. We just crossed uh, five years since Julie and I came in among the Faith Faith Assembly family, and uh, I I don't know where time goes. Julie still looks great. I'm getting old. Um, But, you know, that song, New Wine, that we sang, all I can say is that we had gone through uh, a real crushing experience and a real crushing season. And um, the scripture that comes to mind as I try to express myself here is that uh, the prophecy in Isaiah that talks of Jesus and his ministry that says that a smoking flax he will not quench. And that's the picture of a candle just about burned out, you know, more smoke than flame. And just that little bit of spark hanging there on the wick. And uh, that's kind of where I was at five years ago. You know, I don't want to say I was ready to backslide. Um, A long time ago, I hit a point where backsliding wasn't an option. Like, what am I going to do, smoke weed? You know, it's like... (laughs) The bridges are burned, you know? (laughs) I got saved in 1984. There's 30 whatever years between me and my old life, and I know my old self can wield its ugly head any time, but the point being is I was just so deeply broken and discouraged, and uh, it's just been a blessing to build relationships here and for the Lord to bring uh, revival, really, to our lives, to our hearts and uh, I really, you know, Pastor Steve, I appreciate you, and I really appreciate the friends that we have here. So uh, hopefully we'll still be friends when I get done. Um, so our sermon series that Pastor Steve initiated is Becoming Your Calling. And I just wanted to, before I get to our text, I want you to think about this phrase, Becoming Your Calling. Because our pastor didn't choose this title by accident. And most of the time when we think of the the quote, the call of God on our lives, we associate the concept of God's calling uh, with a ministry or a kingdom task, if you will. And this is true, but I also want to say that the, the task that God may call us to fulfill at any given time is just the, the very tip of the iceberg when it comes to the call of God on our lives, because... Uh, a simple search of the New Testament uh, concerning the word calling and God's calling on our lives has way more to do with our character than what task we carry out in the church. You know, I remember for years being a part of something, and you know, there was this sort of mentality that if you you weren't called to pulpit ministry, you didn't really have a calling. And, you know, we gave lip service. Yeah, everybody's called. But really, the pastors are the real ones. You know what I mean? And, and, and all that. But the fact is, God has done, does not only call us to a task. He calls us to a character. And I want to submit to you, there's a big difference between finding one's calling and becoming one's calling. When I, you know, I went to Almighty Google... When I, you know, you can stand up all authority. When I researched this, I pulled up Google on my phone and I just typed in becoming your calling. And every top result that came up in those first couple of pages was about finding your calling. But you see, finding implies searching for something, looking for something, whereas becoming implies developing into something. And so I did, uh, you know, I did some dictionary work because I'm a word nerd. I looked up the word find. Where is that? Got, Got slides, guys? The word find, well, I'll just read it, means to locate or obtain by search or effort. So the idea of finding your calling is sort of trial and error, isn't it? Um, you know, for those of you looking to, quote, find your calling, I want to encourage you, get involved, meet a need. Um, if you're waiting for Pastor Steve with the proverbial, you know, King Arthur's sword to come along and touch each shoulder, I, I, I dub thee such and such, you know what I mean? That, that, honestly, that's not going to happen. But you can find a hole and begin to fill it and begin to meet a need, and flowing out of that, I, 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 you know you begin to find your way. God begins to guide you as you begin to serve. But the word become means to grow or to come into being. This is a big difference, isn't it? So when we become our calling, you got the word become? We got that? There it is. It means to grow or to come into being. There's a big difference between Becoming one's calling and finding one's calling. Finding implies an action, something you do, whereas becoming implies your character. And I want to assure you that God is more interested in our character than he is with our task. I want to even warn you, God will change your task on you. Sometimes, you know, we think, oh, you know, we get involved with something and like, oh, this is definitely going to, and we even have a witness of the Holy Spirit. This is, I've called you to do this. But that could shift gears. Don't, let, let me just encourage you, don't get caught into a title or one thing. Just try to obey God from day to day and thing to thing. Amen. Because what I see is a lot of people focus on an external process, which is focused on uh, bringing their talent to the table, if you will, where becoming our calling is an internal process that is focused on our character. And I've seen things happen where people with a lot of talent begin to skyrocket and they begin to elevate. But I can tell you, in, in many cases, not every case, thank God, in many cases, the fall is even faster than the, than the rise. And I remember hearing a, an old preacher once say, he made this, this statement, I have a quote, and I think that's the next slide, guys. He said, if we are not careful, our talent can propel us to a place where our character cannot sustain us. And churches get caught into talent. Listen, it's not unusual in a church World, here to you know to uh, uh, put out a one ad, if you will, and receive resumes. And you know, I remember at one point having a conversation with a pastor, and he, he's just talking to me. He says, "Well, you know, Jim, do you feel like your church is utilizing your, your gifting the way it should be?" And it was only later on I realized he was recruiting me. <gasps> that happens. Yeah. Thankfully, I'm like, duh. You know, I just kind of go through life like, duh. I'm that guy later. It's like, you mean that just happened? You're going to ask my wife. It's like, what happened? You know, (laughs) I'm in my own world. But yeah, he was fishing. He had some ministry in his church. He was hoping probably to grow or see, and he thought I might be a good candidate. And, you know, I I think he was quietly hoping, no. No that pastor doesn't recognize my greatness. Listen, that happens. And what I'm preaching today is the exact opposite of that. Because it's way more important that we strive to develop a Christ-like, Christ-centered, spiritually mature character that God calls us to become. Because when you allow God to work with you, when you allow God to grow you, to develop you, to uh, uh, do His process in your heart and in your life, when you become the person God calls you to be, you can fulfill whatever task He calls you to fulfill. The task is almost basically second, what you do is second to who you are. So today, as we talk about becoming our calling as opposed to finding our calling, I want to talk about becoming our calling through community. So let's read Galatians 5. I want to read Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. This is our launching point, if you will. Paul writes and he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty... Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I didn't plan on it, but the next verse, if you got an app or a Bible open, is pretty scary. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Now, Paul is writing into a a region. Galatia was not just one church. It was a region of churches. And he's writing into that region because there was all this debate going on. Uh, uh, You know, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, but I'm not going to really go there. There was a lot of debate because the Christian faith was born kind of through Judaism. But then non-Jews began to come into the church, and there was a big controversy like, how Jewish should you become? How much of the Old Testament law? They didn't have, oh, well, let's look at the New Testament. They were living the New Testament. And there was a big debate going on, and Paul is writing to them because they're fighting with each other. They're, they're banging heads, if you will, and the issue there was legalism. Should you be circumcised? Should you not be circumcised? Should you eat this food? Should you not eat that food? And they're, they're going to war with one another over these issues, and Paul is writing and reminding them, Of what they're called to do. Are are you with me here? So here we see, the first thing I just want you to see for a minute, because I can't read this without preaching the gospel. Am I allowed to preach the gospel today? He says right here, you brethren have been called to what? Servanthood. No, he says you've been called to liberty. Listen, church, the world has it backwards. How many times have you witnessed to someone, oh, if I give my life to Jesus, I won't be able to do this or I won't be able to do that or I'll have to stop doing this and they're all focused on all the things they can't do but the things that they, that, that they don't want to stop doing are things that actually destroy them. Are you with me? When I got saved, I was in bondage to drugs. I couldn't stop. I couldn't quit. I'd make up my mind in the morning to quit and by 10 o'clock I'd be smoking. I couldn't do it. I was in bondage. It controlled me. It led me. And yet Jesus came into my heart. He broke the chains. He removed the desire. He filled me with his spirit, which was the high I was always looking for in the first place. And I was set free. Jesus doesn't put chains on you. He breaks the chains. Glory to God. Our context here is freedom from the bondage of legalism, but I want to encourage you, Jesus wants to free you from bondage, period. Maybe you just need to hear the gospel for a minute because outside of Christ, humanity is in spiritual bondage. But listen, Jesus became our substitute. Listen to Matthew 27, 1 and 2. You got that? Matthew 27, 1 and 2. It says, When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Here is Jesus, our substitute. He was bound so that we could be set free. He was led to death so that we could be led to life. Are you with me here? He was plotted against so that we could be innocent. Glory to God. Maybe you're struggling today with a guilty conscience. Whatever it might be, I want to encourage you, Jesus can and will and does set us free. Can you say amen? John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free... You shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. You are called to liberty. If Christ is calling you, if Christ is pulling on you, if Christ is summoning to yourself, uh, to Himself, excuse me, He's not summoning you into some kind of religious bondage. He is summoning you into the ultimate freedom from bondage. Now, in our text here, it says that this spiritual liberty, however, is not a license to indulge ourselves however we want or do whatever we feel like. He says you've been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, this runs so cross-cultural to our Western American mindset. You're not the boss of me. You don't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. Did you ever think about the fact that there are, Paul had to dedicate entire chapters to get people, to encourage people to get along? Why? Because people were insisting on their own way and not living with any sensitivity to their brothers and sisters in Christ. Issues like what meat you could eat. Because there was people who came from a Jewish background that probably couldn't bring themselves to eat pork or eat certain things because they had just been raised in that conscience. Whereas people were coming in out of a Gentile background, they'd never even thought about these things. And Paul had to dedicate like Romans 14 is an entire chapter. He says, you know, I, I personally, Paul says, I, I feel free to eat whatever I want. But if I sit down with a plate full of food right across from my brother, who I know his conscience is bothered by eating that food, he says, I'm going to eat what fulfills their conscience rather than just insist on my own way. Are you with me here? And so he's writing this stuff because our liberty is not an excuse to do whatever I want. It's an opportunity to, to begin to serve. This is what he says. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The proper use of spiritual liberty is to serve one another in love. And in other words, God's call to liberty is truly fulfilled when we engage in a community of believers with a servant's heart. I'm going to say it again. God's call to liberty is only fulfilled when we engage in a community of believers with a servant's heart. See, several years back, I've been around long enough now to watch the church go through phases, and uh, several years back, the church really, really embraced a marketing mindset. We're going to sell our church and where I appreciate the, the leadership of the church, they kinda the, the the church theme almost became like the old Burger King theme. Remember that? Have it your way at Burger King. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. And now our worship team is gonna sing, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Right? And that's great, but you know, really, ultimately, the call is not to be served, it's to serve. Now, if you're a newcomer, it is our pleasure and our opportunity to serve you and be a blessing to you. Amen. I want to encourage you along those lines. But you see, a simple reading of the New Testament will clearly reveal that the Christian faith is meant to be lived in community. Otherwise, I don't know what Bible you're reading. Jesus gathered a community, didn't he? Now, what that community has to look like, I'll just dare say it, that's that's really open to debate. There are all kinds of different shapes and faces of church communities. So I'm not saying it has... You know, we kind of run a somewhat traditional church community, but I don't want you to be locked into... One particular model, but I do want you to see that the Christian faith is meant to be lived relationally in community. And an aloof, independent mindset is the antithesis of the Christianity revealed in the New Testament. If we reach a place where it's, you know, I walk with Jesus, that's true. But we also are called to live in community. And be accountable to community. So let's think about that, because I've, I've heard, I'm not saying any of you, I'm just saying I've talked to a lot of people, and you know, people go down this rabbit hole of what they think church should be like, and generally they're just saying, I just don't feel like I'm being served by the church. I just, I feel like the church has lost its way. And I'm like, well, how, you know, so let's think about this. People want to feel like they're a part of a community. They want to receive the benefit of being part of community, but they don't want to make the investment to become part of a community. That's my question all the time. Well, how are you invested in that? What part are you doing to serve? How are you connecting? Uh Uh-oh. So let's think about some building blocks of church community. And I just made a, a, a couple of quick bullet points, and we can probably pretty well roll through them. But these are things that people don't want to talk about much. So I, like I said, I, I hope you'll still be my friend. <laughs> Community is built on shared commitment. I want to give a shout out. I got my brother Josh sitting in the back row there. You know, you don't see Josh on Sunday morning doing this or that or the other thing, but he's one of the leaders in our church. And something he initiated Was the men's group on Monday night? And you know what? I I love it. I'm enjoying it. And I want to tell you, one of the reasons it's working is because there's brothers going to that who committed themselves. I committed myself. I said, you know what? I'm gonna I, I I need I need the fellowship of men more than I need this television set. More than I need the isolation of a pandemic. And I'm going to commit myself to gather with like-minded men to grow together. And there are men who are inconveniencing themselves. You know, every Monday there's stuff that comes up that I could be doing, right? So there's the thing. We kind of wade in to get involved, but as soon as it's inconvenient, we stop being a part of it. And then we wonder, why don't I feel like I'm part of the community? It's because every time it gets inconvenient, you withdraw. Uh oh. <laughs> shared commitment, shared tolerance and acceptance. Uh oh. I saw it with Pastor Steve last week, and I told him I'm thankful. I'm thankful that there are varying points of view that are part of our congregation. Guess what? Not everybody seated here is affiliated with one po- political party or another. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? That requires some level of tolerance. Acceptance. You're not going to come in and just make everybody like you think they should be. You've got to tolerate differences. Differences accept people where they're at and make an effort at that and that builds community how about shared weakness and then shared strength you know we all have weaknesses like can we all admit that I've got some really glaring ones amen and so I've got to be open I've got to be honest about where I'm weak because where I'm weak I've got a brother in Christ who's strong in that arena and we, we share our weakness so that we can share our strength. And we're open and we're honest with each other and with ourselves about who and what we are. Shared burdens. Ooh. You know what excites me every time I hear an announcement that there's like a food train going. Or that we're banding together to uh, support someone in the congregation who's in a position of need. Shared burdens. Getting involved with that builds community. Shared investment. There's my question. Where are you invested? I keep stepping... Oh, that's what I'm stepping on. Josh, you left a screw on the platform up here. It's, it's, It's right here if you want it. You know, it's easy to walk in and say, boy... This sanctuary sure is dated. Look at them. They got a plywood platform. Well, are you invested in improving it? When an appeal comes to get carpet to put on this plywood, are you giving? Because that's where community is built. Shared labor. You know where the best bonds are built? It's when you're working side by side for the kingdom. Social gatherings are nice, like I have no problem. In fact, we're planning social gatherings through the summer. But if you really want to build community, if you really want to become part of the community, you've you've got to get side by side when there's an appeal for some work to be involved. Because it's there, it's in the trenches that the bonds are built. Are you with me? Shared sacrifice right along the same lines. As we sacrifice side by side, as we give of our time, as we give of ourselves, as we give of our efforts, there's a bond that begins to get built through shared sacrifice, or what I call the fellowship of misery. Because not everything is like, this is so fun! (laughs) But as we share sacrifice... We bond together. Shared suffering and shared victories. Build community. As we come alongside each other when one is suffering. The Bible says, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27, I think that's my next slide. It says that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Paul has a whole chapter dedicated to, you know what, the ear's no good without, you know, without the eye and the nose and the other senses. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't like the idea of missing body parts. <laughs> Bob's back there with, with one and a half arms raised to the Lord. But I'll bet, brother, it was a huge adjustment. There's our bundle of personality back there. (laughs) Amen. Community is only built as we as Christians understand that we are interdependent. Just like the parts of our physical body. You know, I'm, I'm... I've I've crossed the line into the 50s. Some of you that are older than I am, you're going to be like, you ain't seen nothing yet. But I got certain things that ache. I'm dealing with this bum shoulder right now. And so, you know, I never knew how much of a habit I was in of putting my left hand into a sleeve and then actually putting my right hand all the way into a sleeve and then reaching around with my left hand and hiking it up putting it on but you see now when i do that i'm like ah so i'm trying to change my habit you know you, you never really knew you, you never think about it until it's sore or a brother jeff conover god help him what was it, a couple of weeks ago stubbing his toe like broke his toes right slam you, you, you ever really damage your little toe or even worse your big toe Man, right? You never realize that having your big toe affected could somehow affect your brain. And just as our body is interdependent, we as believers in Christ, not just here at Faith Assembly, but believers across the body of Christ, across church lines, across denominational lines, we are interdependent. We need each other. And so a strongly independent mindset is the opposite of community and it will hinder you from becoming your calling. And it is also indicative that you're still wrestling with some things that you don't want others to know about. (gasps) I'm just going to say it and then I'll leave it. When I see someone standing apart all the time over here, It's because there's reasons they don't want anyone too close. That might be fear, but fear is a bondage all of its own. Fear of getting hurt again can be a bondage all of its own. Do you see what I mean? Because, you know, I realize that, you know, the first thing that comes to mind as I say that is like hidden sin, you know. Well, maybe not. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been damaged, whatever, but... But at some point, you've got to cross the line and deal with that and engage with community again. Because God's calling on your life. Here's where I'm going. God's calling on our lives is that we become Christ-like. And we become Christ-like by serving community. Paul wrote here that we're called to liberty... But we're not to use our liberty to do whatever we want, but rather as an opportunity to serve one another through love. Last week in song service, I mentioned that the Christian faith is one of paradoxes to the natural mindset of, of, of mankind. And one of those paradoxes, if you will, is that greatness and leadership come through humility and service in the kingdom of God. In the world... Greatness and leadership come through ambition. They basically come through climbing over the people in front of you, asserting your talent, constantly climbing the ladder, pushing your way up, pushing your way up till you're, till you're up either at or near the top. Are you with me here? That's not how the kingdom works. If you want to rise in the kingdom, you got to go low first. And this is what Jesus demonstrated. Listen to Matthew 20, 25 through 28. New Living Translation. Matthew 20, 25 through 28, New Living Translation. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. That's the mindset I'm talking about. Once you get in power, you stay in power. You let people know, I'm here, you're there, and that's how it is. Right? But Jesus says here, he says, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you, or the chief, or the the main leader among you, must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. We become Christ-like by serving in community, by serving others in love. We don't elevate by asserting our talent. We don't elevate by asserting our way. God raises us up as we we humble ourselves and serve. A great example of this is the Last Supper. Let's go to John 13, 3-5. Here, let me just preface this. Jesus is going to be arrested that night. That night. His betrayer is in the room with them. Within 24 hours, he's literally going to be buried. Dead. Look what he does on his very last night with his disciples and his best friends, I should add. John 13, 3-5. But Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Time out right there. He knew he was Lord of lords. He knew exactly who he was. And yet, verse 4, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the, the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel With which he was girded. Now, think about this. Let's just pause right here. This should have happened when they came into the room. Do you know what it was like to walk around the streets of Jerusalem in those days? What kind of condition do you think their feet were in? You know, they didn't have cowboy boots. So, what are we looking at? We're looking at Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, creator of the universe being willing to do on the night before his death what none of his disciples were willing to do. You read through the Gospels, you see the disciples arguing who's going to be the greatest. You see the mother of, uh, I think it's John and Andrew, coming along asking that her kids can sit side by side with Jesus, one on the left hand, one on the right. Power. You don't see them arguing over whose turn is it to wash everybody else's feet. Because that was below them. But somehow, it wasn't below the king of kings. And listen to what he says here in John 13, 12 through 15. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for I am. Do you hear that? You call me Lord, and I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, I don't think that was a thing to start a foot washing service. But whoever's role it was to wash everybody's feet was the servant at the bottom of the, of the ladder. That was not the role people were lining up to have. And he's saying, if I've set the example, here's how we serve in community. Here's what a community looks like. People serving one another in love, willing to proverbially, if you will, wash one another's feet if need be. This is where we become Christ-like. This is where our character is formed. Not in being recognized, but just the opposite. Philippians 2 3 through 11, my last scripture here. (laughs) Look at that first line, guys. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. (laughs) We could open the altars right now. Just those two statements right there. God help me. I'm, I'm doomed. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, there's a different mindset. I'll leave that one right where it is. Don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, he didn't insist on his position. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all other names. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Elevation came through humiliation we're called to liberty Christ set you free but that doesn't mean you're free to do whatever you want good, good, good phrase that I live by just, I I <laughs> just because I can doesn't mean I should just because I can doesn't mean I should And there's certain things, and there's certain arenas, and there's certain trains of thought, all kinds of things, that I'm just best avoiding. (laughs) I'm free to go there, but I know if I do go there, it's going to bring me into bondage, and I don't want that. We're free, but not to use our freedom as an opportunity to do whatever we want, but to serve one another in love. The call is to become our calling. That means becoming of a certain character, Christ-like, Christ-centered, mature. That's not what we do, it's who we are. And then what we do can flow out of that. But that can only happen in the context of community. What that community has to look like, I'm going to leave up to individual convictions. Mine happens to be here, whatever it is. But the point being is, it only happens as we serve one another in love. It only happens as we're willing to engage with a willingness to wash feet if that's what ne- what's necessary. Hey Amen. I'd like the worship team to come on back up, please. I'm going to turn off this mic and... Maybe the Lord's spoken to you today. We want to take a few minutes rather than just pray and run out the door. And I know it's a beautiful day. Maybe the Lord's challenged you today. First of all, maybe you don't, don't really know the Lord, but as I preached the gospel and you, you heard about the freedom that Christ can give, you realize that there's behaviors you're fighting against. And it's like every time you try to break free, it's like you run into a wall and it just pulls you right back in. Only Jesus can break that chain. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord, find somebody around you and ask them to pray with you. Maybe God's speaking to you today about community and your approach to community and your approach to the Christian life and He's summoning you to serve. And you might say, well, I've served before and I got hurt. Church hurt is a real thing. But you know what? God can bring new wine out of that crushing. He can bring something fresh out of that breaking. I'm living proof, guys. We're going to sing that song again. We're going to encourage you to find a spot at the altar here. Pray at your seat. And then pastor will close us.